very much in favor of the counting of points. Does it work for you? No. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Run Through, the figure skating podcast where we will run through all the things that made us kiss, made us cry, and in this case, made us wonder why we always have to talk about Russia. I'm your host, Adam Rippon. And I am your other host, Ashley Wagner. Also with us, as always, is our producer, not Olympic champion, Sarah Hughes. She will be making sure that Adam and I get our facts straight. And typically, we do a segment with her called Fierce or Fluts. But because this entire situation is one big fluts, we will be skipping over that today. Yeah, so we're mostly just doing fluts today. Um, Because as I mentioned in this episode, we're talking all about Russia. It's the figure skating powerhouse now banned from competition. So Ashley, why did we decide that we wanted to have this conversation? So we got some big news last week when the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, opened the door for Russian athletes to compete in international sports again. And there's just a lot of feelings about this. A lot to talk about, a lot to get into. There is. And I think it would help our listener if we could give a little bit of a timeline of where did the, I mean, where does this doping timeline of where we got to right now? Obviously, the ban has to do with the the war in Ukraine. Um, But there's this underlining tone of there's these doping scandals and the doping allegations. So where does that all begin? I think I would really like to start with, can you start Back in 2014, you're there. What's going on? How did we get here? Sure. So basically, the gist of this is that a Russian doctor blew the whistle on statewide state-sponsored doping. Russia eventually gets banned from the next three Olympics, Pyeongchang, Tokyo, and Beijing, but also from the World Championships. But let's be real, that was not a real ban at all. They were competing as athletes under a neutral flag. So Sochi, we saw Adelina Sotnikova win Olympic gold. We also saw Russia win the team event. After Sochi, Russia becomes a force in ladies figure skating. Sotnikova, Olympic champion. And then the next three years in a row, Russian women won the world title, including two full years of Evgenia Medvedeva going totally undefeated. And then in 2018, Russia went 1-2 at the Olympics in Pyeongchang. We're not going to in any way, shape, or form suggest that every single athlete, every single Russian athlete is doping. That's not what we're here to do. It's a lot more complicated. There's an entire system in place that we are going to break down. But what I do want to point out is that these athletes were doing things that not a lot of other competitors were competing. Veg and Zagitova could add a triple toe onto basically anything. Sarah actually mentioned that she saw Zagitova land a five triple combo in practice at the Olympics, which is just insane and really difficult to do. And my cheetah triple triple could never. Neither could mine. (laughs) (laughs) But from there, that is where we started to see the quads. So Adam, take it away. All right. So let's really kind of dig into it. So over the next four years after 
the Pyeongchang 2018 games, that's when we really see the rise of these quadruple jumps. And famously, it's that famous group of three girls from the Ateri Tutbaritsa team. Um, it's Anna Shabrakova, it's Sasha Trusova, it's Aliona Kostranaya. They come up from the juniors and they're dominant right away. They're sweeping the podiums. If the three of them are in the competition, they're winning the competition if, if it's just them in that event that russian dominance is totally solidified in 2021 at the world championships where they couldn't actually compete as russia because of the doping sanctions but they still were competing for russia wait what were they not competing as russia at the world championships no they competed as the russian skating federation at 2021 world so it was like the, remember it was like the little skating yes okay. federation icon instead of the flag yeah. Oh, this is why I thought that they were competing as Russians there. That's right, because it's the Ru- because they were competing as the Russian Figure Skating Federation, and so right. it's same as like Russian Olympic Committee in Beijing. It's like it is Russian. Oh my god, I forgot about that even. Well, so basically, they got banned from 2018, right, as neutral athletes, and that was gonna be it, and then. A bunch. There was a bunch more that came out about them, like covering things up in the process of the investigation and not fully cooperating. So they got two more years eventually, and so that's why the World Championships in 2021, the Olympics in Beijing and in Tokyo. Right. Well, I mean, this is another reason of why it doesn't feel like there's any consequence for the actions of this federation. I didn't even realize they were being punished. Exactly. <laughs> Neither did they. That is. <laughs> right. You know, and so, you know, we get back to the craziest thing about this is that behind these three dominant athletes, there's always somebody who's ready to come up next. And in the case of Sherbakova, Kostranaya, and Trusova, it's Camilla Velieva. And so that takes us to Beijing, where the Russians show up at the Olympics, again, not really competing for Russia, but also actually definitely competing for Russia. And they have ha- they have a ton of medal favorites on on this team in the three disciplines, and they easily easily win the figure skating team event. It was a total, it was a blowout, it was a no brainer. So ROC wins the team event, the U.S. gets silver, and Japan gets bronze. And then the medal ceremony is postponed, and then it's postponed again. And I remember it getting postponed because I was in Beijing, and I remember Raphael was about to go to the awards ceremony to get on the bus. I was going downstairs to the lobby in the hotel and I saw Raphael turn right back around. He's like, something is up. And, you know, I'm like, what does that mean? Raphael is a conspiracy theorist and our favorite conspiracy theorist. Right. But sometimes. (laughs) But sometimes he's right. He's right. (laughs) So let's just rewind. So Camilla Velieva was in the midst of this unbelievable dream First season on the senior circuit, right? She's undefeated on the Grand Prix. She has three quads in her free skate and a triple axle in both programs. After she won the Russian national title on Christmas Day, she took a drug test, a fateful Christmas drug test, right? This is what sets off the entire trail of events that we're about to go into. So it went to a lab in Europe while she was off to win the European title. And while she helped the ROC to win the team event in Beijing, the results of that Christmas Day drug test finally come back. And they were, as they say in Russia, net good. Wait, Sarah, is there... 
Yet. Is there a reason why there was such a delay getting that drug test back? There, the reason given, I believe, was COVID, that they weren't having as many people working in the lab. Um, and so they were processing tests and results slower. Okay. So it wasn't like sketchy timing or, or like, anything like that. Well, because that was, remember, right before Beijing, everyone got Omicron? Yeah. Everyone? Yeah. yeah. So it was right then that her test basically got sent in. So it was kind of believable that it would take there were that people long. out sick and not working in the lab. And so that was the reason given, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So Camilla, she was positive for a banned substance that's usually used for people with heart conditions to increase their blood flow. And so for someone who didn't need that, you know, in theory, um, that would really just be able to help you train harder and longer at your sport, hence it being banned. So she gets suspended and then she gets unsuspended. Then the IOC and the ISU try to get her resuspended and that doesn't work. So a court rules that because of her age and the long delay in the results coming back, she gets to compete. So she wins the short program. Again, it's like it's a moment where I feel like every athlete is silent where she's skating of how does th- how does this happen it's yep. it's this shocking moment one of the most shocking moments for me up there like tanya harding actually showing up to the olympics in 1994 and she falls apart in the free skate she gets fourth but her training mates go one two so five days after the figure skating being wrapped up in beijing the russians invade Ukraine and the Russian athletes have been banned from competition by the ISU and in most other sports ever since. So where we are today, last week, the IOC opened the door to let Russian athletes back into international competition per each governing body's discretion, aka for us, it's the ISU. The IOC's recommendations said that Russian and Belarusian athletes should compete only as individual neutral athletes and no athletes or personnel who, quote, actively support the war, end quote, can compete. The same goes for athletes or personnel who are, quote, contracted to the military or national security agencies. This is where the the language gets super vague and we're going to go more into that, but The IOC said this has nothing to do with the Olympics and they'll make a decision about Olympic participation, quote, at the appropriate time. How about now, guys? Right. Let's make up our mind right now. We have a lot of information. We have we have enough information, I think. And, And this is the thing. The Russians are obviously complaining about this being unfair. And I think, you know, there's a lot of quotes from Tatiana Tarasova, from Alexander Zhulin, um, showing their disappointment, dismay, dismay. Um, and I, I, for me, it shows a complete lack of self-awareness of where they stand in the athletic community, where they stand in the Olympic community, a, a refusal to look Inward. Inward. I also think it just highlights a completely different narrative uh, and just the language around this being used that I don't think that it's it's that, you know, they know what's up and and they're choosing to just spread spread the word around that they're being taken advantage of here. No, I truly think that they believe this. I truly think that they believe that this is unfair to their athletes and that the world is looking for a way to take their athletes down. And so... Camila Velieva's anti-doping case is still happening. The Russian Anti-Doping Committee released a decision in December saying basically that it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Grandpa's fault. Who, I think it, who it was, knows? It could it, have been wasn't anyone. Wasn't it that she, like, she sipped the tea? 
I mean, this something. is where, like, you know, it's not funny because it's a- no. actually, it's so outrageous and egregious that, like, maybe she was drinking out of the same, gl- I, this is, I remember this happening, um, where a reporter asked, I was in Beijing with Mariah. First of all, Mariah has no idea what's happening right now. Mariah was not in the team event. She was just going to her practice. Obviously, there's this hubbub of what's going on. She's at a, at a practice, and there's this journalist that comes up to her, and they were like, um, Mariah, would you drink out of the same glass as one of your gra- grandparents? And Mariah goes, yeah, of course. Oh, no, <laughs> and I they didn't go, see this. That's you, so unfair. It's so unfair, but also it, like to the point of how ridiculous that like what this claim is. And Mariah goes, yeah, of course. And they go, you would? You would drink out of a glass? She goes... Yeah, I wasn't raised in a barn. I know my grandparents aren't dirty. I would drink out of the same <laughs> glass. And they're like, okay, thank you. And then she told me, she was like, I got asked this weird question. I was like, no, 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 okay. no. Okay. I was like, of course, this is my student saying that she was not raised in a barn when she was. A <laughs> <laughs> little Texan girl through and through. Um, but, you know, this is this is just kind of the, the point of it all of like there's yeah. still no resolution. So many athletes are upset um, and it just feels like there's been really no consequence for the actions of the Russian governing body over over these Olympic athletes. And so, Ashley, I think we should go right into it. Are you ready? I am ready. OK, so we have a lot to go over, obviously. While it does feel pretty straightforward to a lot of athletes, it's a super complicated situation. It's layered, it's complex, and I think before we even get into it, Adam and I have talked about this at length, and our biggest issue with all of this is not the individual athletes in this situation, but the system in place and the way that it takes advantage of the spirit of sport the ethics of sport but also these athletes and really trades in athletic success in the moment for the health and well-being of an athlete down the road so lots to get into here but why don't we get right into it I want to start with Sochi so we're going to go back to 2014 I was there competing at the event I actually got drug tested multiple times so I actually did have to go back into they're kind of like these little it looks like a doctor's office. Yeah, so and wait, so, Ashley, how does it how does that work? You're at the Olympics, I have to get drug tested. Like what does that mean? Where are you? Who's picking you up? Where are you going? So we had drug testing at the arena, like post event you would have any a doping control officer comes up to you and they usually are holding a clipboard and when you're at a skating event, it's not like it's an American team member or something. It's usually a member of the World Anti-Doping Association, WADA. They've been assigned to you and they have to follow you around. They notify you that you have been selected for doping Mm -hmm. and they follow you around with their clipboard and they have to keep eyes on you at all times until you are ready to give them a sample. And it's not glamorous, but you pee in a cup. Mm-hmm. And so at the rink, that's how it works. But there's also random doping testing at the Olympics. And so you would typically have someone knock on your bedroom door or like we stayed in an apartment. So they would knock on your apartment door and they would say, you've been selected for uh, doping testing. You have to come with us and you're going to go into this office. And so it looks like a doctor's office. You go into a room. There's like a like chair for you to sit in and 
that's pretty much it. It's very bare bones, very basic, but you always have a doping agent with you, keeping their eyes on you. And then when you go in and collect the sample, they have to watch you do that as well. So mm-hmm. it's really in-depth and they really do follow you around. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable, but it's just part of... It's just part of, part of the game, right? Yeah, it, and it, we're used to it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think... That's the first right off the bat. That's part of what is so frustrating about this entire situation is just the hoops of fire that this system had to jump through to actually like switch out their samples. It is so hard in the moment to actually switch out a sample. You have so many eyes on you. There's such a system in place. So that being said, I don't know. I don't know how you felt with the men, Adam, but for me, the Russian women were really not on the scene at all. And then all of a sudden we get to 2014 and the Russian women start really gaining some momentum and getting better and better and better. And we had Adelina Sotnikova who found herself at the top of the Olympic podium. She was the first Russian champion ever. Russia also won Olympic team gold and it was a huge moment for this country, but at the same time, you know, this is really before any of the athletes had an idea of what was going on, but we're looking at these athletes who had just come out of nowhere, essentially, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden found insane success. Yeah. And, you know, just to go back to that point that you were making earlier, like we really have had this conversation extensively and and i think really it's just like just to nail down and buckle down the point that um this really is like a systematic problem within mm-hmm. russian sports and i don't think like we've said this before a million times that this is not to you know point at one athlete specifically no. and doping exists in sports unfortunately um mm. but you know just like you said like that that picture that you were painting of the doping agent following you around. I mean, how many times have we been at training where all of a sudden there's somebody with a clipboard and, you know, a lanyard and you're like, okay, I, somebody is getting drug tested. It's either me or it's Mariah Bell or it's Nathan Chen um, or it's you. Yep. We just know that it's, it's just, it's part of it. And so doping is taken really, really seriously. Um, There's, you know, there's no wiggle room when it when it comes to a, a failed drug test here in the U.S. And, um, you know, no. th- an example of that is like, you know, we had this camp every year in Colorado Springs. Champs camp. Champs camp. A camp for champions. <laughs> Me and you. Yeah. It, it was a camp for two. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was a punishment for two. <laughs> I saw it that way. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't even remember the year. But I remember that we were in a meeting, a big group meeting with all the athletes, and Twitter was pretty new. I miss it. Um, and we opened up Twitter, and it's Lance Armstrong. He's admitting to doping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, there's a lot of buzz between the athletes. And we go into the, the cafeteria at the uh, Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and there was a huge Lance Armstrong quote Um right in the cafeteria above like where you entered the bathrooms which I guess is sort of like a Feridian slip of putting the (laughs) quote above bathrooms and 
what we see when we go in are two ladders and maybe five people chipping and chiseling away, getting every letter of every word of Lance Armstrong's quote down. The quote was off the wall and they were repainting it by the end of the night so that it was just a white wall. Yeah. And I think something else just so everybody can know is that like in the U.S., the Olympic athletes are self-funded. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're lucky enough that you can get a sponsor, but that sponsor is a private sponsor. That's a sponsorship with a with a brand or or sometimes you can have somebody uh, a different foundations or scholarships that you can win to help fund your training. Um, in a country like Russia, the sport is sponsored by the government. So the money is coming from the government, which is Part of the reason uh, the athletes are being held accountable for the actions of the government, because when they go into an international competition, they are representing that. They're representing where the money comes from. Right. They're directly funded by the government. And so, again, I, because I, I, this is like a real systematic thing, yeah. I think that when you're a young athlete, I mean, I would do whatever my coach told me to do. And if there yeah. was a coach or if there was um, uh, somebody who was in charge of me or older um, and they said, this is what you should be doing um, and it's drugs, I wouldn't know the difference. How was I supposed to know? Um, you know, I'm from like a small town in Scranton, Pennsylvania. These Some of these kids are from a small town in Ekaterinburg. Th- they don't know the difference. And so they're doing what they're told and... I think that they're being told that this is what you're supposed to do. And then they find themselves completely confused when the world is like, you're cheating. This isn't right. Nobody else is doing this. Right. Because they've been given one narrative. And I think the difference and I'm not here trying to say the U.S. is doing it better. We are better. That is not the case in the slightest. What I think makes this whole situation so complicated is the example that you just gave But at the same time, at the end of the day, as an athlete, you and you alone are the only person that is going to be receiving some kind of punishment for your actions. If you're caught doping, the only person, and this has really been shown to be the case over the last, what, nine years, the only person that is going to be reprimanded is going to be you individually. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be watching out for yourself. And in the U.S., we have such a strict anti-doping policy that if an athlete were to test positive for a banned substance and we've seen this with american athletes who accidentally test positive for banned substances in makeup and in a like protein powder or something like that automatically be banned from competition no questions asked it's an accident too bad you put it in your body you know the risk and that it's was the guilty narrative. until proven innocent when it comes to 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 drugs and sports when it comes to USADA which is the US anti-doping agency and I honestly just think that is truly how it has to operate because you have to create this system where the athletes are so wary of possible consequences that they're not even going to risk it. And so by making people afraid of the risk, they end up cutting down on accidental doping in the first place. It's a system that works, but you have to play by those rules. And when you don't, it becomes really frustrating for athletes who 
I spent my entire life afraid to eat poppy seed bread because if you eat poppy seeds, you can potentially test positive for opiates. And that was how I navigated my life. I just got into poppy seed bread and it's delicious, but I couldn't enjoy it because I was afraid of what I would test positive for. And then you look at athletes who really are you know, not playing by the rules, whether it's mindfully or not, but they are putting these chemicals or whatever into their body. And I'm like, I haven't been able to eat poppy seed bread and you're taking whatever heart medication. Like, that's not fair. Your melodonium is is poppy seed. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm getting from from this. And actually, that's our podcast today. No, I'm kidding. I, um... Yeah, I totally agree. You know, to, so like the the timeline of this all. Mm-hmm. Ashley's in Sochi. She's missing her first practice. She's not on the bus. So she's not <laughs> she's not doing the short program, the team event with any practice. That's where we're starting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then it just kind of goes it goes forward into that. You know, yes, we hadn't really seen a lot of Russian ladies. And then all of a sudden it was this um, never ending cycle cycle of this in, you know incredible athletes a multitude one after another after another another i mean it was a conveyor belt there was always a there is always a newer younger faster better russian athlete coming up and it's never ending and each one is better than the last. And at the at the end of the day, skating technique, obviously, we're learning more about the sport. Technology has not changed that much. Our boots have not changed dramatically since... Sonia Henny, but kind of Sonia not Henny. really. Like, they're, they're, like there's the same... Yeah. There's some truth to that. The boots have gotten lighter. The blades have gotten lighter. That is it. There's nothing else dramatically different. And so then it gets comes down to okay well what about the training technique what are they doing differently that is creating these astronomically different skaters than what we've seen in the past and so you know now the spotlight turns to a terry and is she a wonder coach is she the recipe to success is she doing something dramatically different than everybody else Mm -hmm. i mean i I think like we just don't i mean yes she is (laughs) um (laughs) and uh I, I think that's the thing. I think, like, you know, if we fast forward um, and we get into Beijing, um, I want to pull Sarah onto the podcast. Sarah Hughes, not Olympic champion. I was in Beijing with Mariah, and um, I called you after I had seen Camilla skate um, for the first time in person. I had never seen her skate in person. Do you remember what I said to you? Yeah, you said you'd never seen anything like it. Mm. Like, and that she was better even than you thought possible for a skater to be in real life. Even after we had watched, I think we had watched at least two of her Grand Prix together, Adam, in the fall. And I remember Mm -hmm. watching her win one and we were like, we were really wowed by her already. And then when you saw her in real life, you were blown away. Like she's so much better than we even thought. Yeah, it was um, it was unbelievable what I was watching. Um, I, it was so clear that like at that moment when I was just watching these practices at that at, at this time, it was to in in preparation of the team event. 
Um, it was just so obvious that she was head and shoulders above everybody there. And I remember being on the phone with you, Sarah, and being like, this this girl could afford a few major mistakes and it still wouldn't be a question to me that she's going to win. And I mean, I feel like it, we should say like that's partially the quad jumps, but it was also partially something that you wouldn't ever attribute to something unnatural. Like she actually had a lot of natural talent for her age. She was really oh, musical. Absolutely. She the, she had great extension. She could move with the music in a way that I think you is hard to teach. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not even with all the doping stuff that came later, I still feel like Camilla was one of, if not the most naturally gifted skaters in Beijing in that event. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, naturally, there were so many qualities of hers that that's truly what made me think oh wow this girl is head and shoulders it wasn't um you know it wasn't just the jumps it was everything it was the spins it was the speed um but you know to be a good performer Ashley as you um are and were Mm -hmm. um it takes a lot you have to be a really really good athlete it takes a lot of stamina it takes a lot of training a lot of conditioning for you to get to a place to be able to perform really well at a competition for you to feel like you had the energy like how how many run-throughs what kind of training are you doing like leading up to that it's a lot of energy it's a lot of time a lot of energy and that's always my frustration when people are just jumping it's not as hard when you're jumping and performing it's a completely different ball game uh I was doing at least one full run through a day, if not close to two. But then beyond that, I was doing so many different variations of sections in the program. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that Raphael trained us, I would say we do have kind of a good eye into how Russians train and condition just in in general. I think that it's very section-based, but Raphael always insisted we did full run-throughs as well. And so at the end of the day, I had probably done close to four or five full run-throughs per day. And I was actually just thinking uh, when you were talking about this, about Zagitova's free skate uh, in Korea, where Mm -hmm. she had all the majority of her triples, all, all of her jumps in the second half. And I'm watching this thinking this is so insane it's really difficult it's not a balanced program but to be able to do that many jumps in a row at the end of a program the level of conditioning is just so difficult it's insane you have to be so prepared and the training that goes in is intense and we know that these Russian camps really put a lot of time and energy on into their training right i mean this is the thing nothing's gonna make you skate better at a competition than repetition um absolutely nothing is going to make you more consistent than repetition and Mm. the more sets you can do of can i do 10 triple lutzes in a row can i do 15 can i do two back-to-back long programs in a row nothing is going to make an athlete more trained than doing more there's obviously a method to the madness and you need a professional coach to tell you when to stop and, and how to pace for that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like saying, oh, I'm going to I'm going to run a marathon. And the first day of training, you try to run the marathon. That's not how it works. There's a there's a build up to it, but yep. nothing's going to make you more 
prepared than preparation. And I think that when we speak about the specific medication, what was the medication called, Sarah, that Camilla was? It's called trimetazidine. Then there's also the melodonium that came before that, which was another heart medication. So it's like same, same, same. Basically what she took is a heart medication that's intended to improve your circulation and blood flow, which essentially means that you can do more conditioning, do more training because right. your muscles recover faster. You, mm-hmm. You're aerobic, like you can breathe easier as you do hard exercise. And I think that like as an athlete who is also a skater, I'd say I'm a skater, not really so much an athlete in this moment, <laughs> but... I think what the point I'm trying to get out is that, you know, there were so many qualities of Camilla specifically where, you know, you're like, there's no drug that can teach this. There's no drug that's going to teach you how to do a quadruple jump. There's no drug that's going to teach you how to do the splits in every direction. Drugs don't give you talent. No, but they do give you more time on the ice, more time in the gym. So for a normal skater or let's just say a normal person for them to like learn a double axle let's say it takes a hundred hours right well so if i'm skating two hours a day it's going to take me about 50 days of two hour practice but if i'm being put on this drug that makes my stamina so much better that i can get through two extra hours of practice that means i'm doing four hours of practice then already that's going to take me 25 days to get 100 hours in. So I'm able to cut the time it takes me to learn something in half. I'm able to do more. And that's where this drug gets really tricky and really frustrating because the amount of time an athlete can spend on their craft kind of multiplies. And it's this advantage of getting so much more repetition in, which is also why I think like we have seen these young, young Russian athletes, these young girls, because I think girls develop way faster than boys. And I mean that mentally. Well, I have something to bring in about the development side of it. Just as a female athlete. Yes. Another really important thing that I want to bring up is going through puberty messes up your jumps. It is inevitable because when you have a small, young body, when you look like a little stick, you're going to rotate faster. You go through puberty, you get hips, you get boobs, your weight distribution changes, and with that comes a change in your rotation speed. There's a change in how you carry yourself on the ice. And so this is... One way to really help push off this major change is by working out to the point that your body knows Mm -hmm. that it cannot handle a huge change like that, a huge hormonal physical change. If there is not the energy resource to do that, it's not going to happen. And so the other thing that I see when I'm looking at these kids, and this is what makes me really frustrated because it's so bad for your body. And long scared. Term. It's, it makes it's me scary. scared. I'm sure it's frustrating for you because, I mean, you can see eye to eye with these young girls as you were one right. once. Not now, obviously. And <laughs> when I was a young water. <laughs> but go on. Uh, but you... You look at these girls and they you, they come onto the junior scene and they're 13 and they get to the senior scene and they're 17 and they're 18 and they look the exact same. And they're jumping the exact same and they're training the exact same and they're putting so much 
pressure and stress on their bodies that long term these athletes just disappear as soon as they go through their Olympic cycle, as soon as they get through whatever major event they need to, and then they just disappear. It's so, so bad for your body. And I highly doubt that this is information that is being given to these athletes. The risk is most likely not being presented to them in a way where it's really discussing the long-term effects of what it's going to do to your body. And it's That's why for me, it's not about the individual athletes. I think the athletes are being put in such a tragically wrong and awful position. It's the system that is taking advantage of the athletes present so that they can get the results that they want to see and put their country on the map. We have the fastest, the strongest, the best athletes. Look at how successful our country is. And then, you know, these athletes are literally just a method to prove that. And then once they do that, they don't need them anymore. And they're just pushed to the side. And it's heartbreaking to watch. I have two things. One, if you're a female athlete and you're listening to this, it is not healthy to not have a period. No. You, that is, that is a sign that you, like, something needs to change. Too much stress on your body. Yes. That's, it's really important. It's part of being a healthy female athlete. The second point. Um, I want to get to is actually I kind of want to just cut to the chase a little bit like yeah should the Russian athletes be allowed in competition should they be allowed back in competition like let's just cut to it and why is the answer no (laughs) the answer is no because I hope for anyone listening we've done our best to help show you that it is the system and not the athletes that are the problem and until the system itself is actually punished the athletes are going to continue to be taken advantage of Mm. and so no Russian athletes shouldn't be competing when you look at what was it what Olympics Korea so Korea was the first Olympics where they were not allowed to compete as Russian athletes they represented the O-A-R, the Olympic athletes from Russia. Yeah. From Russia. So first of all, Russia's literally in the title. Mm -hmm. And then the Russian flag was part of their flag. Not a real punishment. No. I mean, Adam, what do you think? I thought the outfits were really awful and they got even worse in Beijing. That (laughs) felt like a punishment. But I felt like... That sad gray. (laughs) Yeah, and the mint green, which usually I like mint green. But... Yeah, like I feel really effing awful for a lot of these Russian athletes because I think that they work really hard and they just want to do their best. Yeah. But this is the problem is that the Russian Federation um, and Russians in sports, the Federation is not being held accountable at all. There are no, no consequences for these actions. And I think that at this time... You know, it's one thing and it's like now I can go, oh, well, it's one thing to have a sponsored state sponsored doping program like that's not the worst of it. Right. So it's it's but it's one thing to have that. It's another thing to (laughs) to then be kicked out. I understand the thought process of let's let some of these athletes back in. But it's a completely another thing to under a flag that you are representing because you are banned. You are still getting caught for cheating. Yep. And that's not even why they're banned. They're banned because of a war in Ukraine. 
Obviously, we support the decision to take them out because of the war in Ukraine. But as an athlete, the real reason that they should have been banned in the first place was because the aggressive doping that seems to be ever present in every single Olympic cycle, both summer and winter. And it's time and time and time again. It's a slap on the wrist. They get to have their Olympic medalists come home. And are they announced at any figure skating event as the Olympic gold medalist representing the Olympic athletes of Russia? No, it's Russia's Olympic gold medalist. It is not a punishment. No, and they have this attitude that they're being picked on. Um, and that, you know, they're so far ahead. Of course, the only way to take them down is for us to find reasons of, of why they shouldn't be there. When I say we, I mean, like, this is the general, like, feedback that, like, if you watch a lot of Russian media, I'm saying this like I'm literally watching Channel One. I'm not. But, like, <laughs> you know, you, you can see the, the the Russian take on this is that they're being picked on. Um, and, you know, we could even see it through a lot of different Russian skaters of our generation using that rhetoric on Instagram during the games in Beijing of like, you know, we're with you. Like, this is so awful. This is happening to you. Like, sorry, but like, if that was a U.S. athlete, we'd be like, I cannot believe that that you did this. We'd be ostracized immediately. Right. And I mean, in, in this case of like of a minor, nobody would let anybody who was around that minor, any sort of, um, you know, coach or or parental figure, there'd be a million questions. There would be one million questions. And, um, you know, that person... And the coaches would be banned. One, one million percent. One, one million percent. And, and, you know, especially in this instance where you think that... Um, Terry most likely had a lot of the access of who was getting these drugs in her camp, um, who was worth the risk, um, and who would be worth the reward. Um, because I, I also don't believe that, like, th th that, you know, there's pills in the pancakes, right? Like, I don't think that, like, everybody's just on, on drugs, that there's melodonium in the drinking water. Like, right, we're that's not, not saying that every single athlete is doping. That's not what we're up here doing at all. No, but I do believe that there is this systematic point of view of like this person is a favorite for gold. They're they're worth this risk because I think to you know speaking as somebody who like has a no idea about drugs, what I'm saying is I think that like to keep up to date, you need to know what's going on in the in the medical community to continue to mask these different drugs and keep up with different drugs that are being banned and switching them out for ones that haven't been banned yet. So. It takes a professional. I mean, Ashley, you told me to watch Icarus on Netflix, yeah. which is basically what prompted this whole investigation into mm -hmm. the, the Russian doping scandal. Yep. I mean, I when you bring up that they that these doctors always have to be on the up and up of of what is, you know, fair game and what is not. It just takes me back to when Melodonium was banned and then a Russian ice dancer tested positive for melodonium and I remember I believe it was Plushenko who tweeted something about how it was ridiculous because these are just vitamins right and that is where I'm like this makes sense Mm -hmm. These are absolutely athletes who are being told this is good for your body. This is going to help support you. And 
do not think it's a sheer coincidence that the banned substance that a lot of Russian athletes were taking and had to stop taking because it was banned, a heart medication, and then Camilla later on testing positive for another heart medication. Right. It's, I'm sorry, but they're just, they're connected. And the only reason they're upset is because they got caught. Right. And also, you know, like um, Julian, who has just, who can't keep his feet out of his mouth. He's addicted to having his feet oh inside God, his mouth. A dumpster fire of a human being. A complete mess, which is totally awful. But in Beijing, after the team event, there's just these totally again. This is the self like the self awareness. There's these quotes of Julian saying something. I'm paraphrasing that um, you know when they found out that someone on the Russian team tested positive, that he was like, and we knew it. It could have been anybody, which like is a completely mindless thing to say. Of it could have been anybody. What the fuck are you talking about? No, it couldn't have been anybody. Everybody should have been clean on that team. What do you mean it could have been anybody? Which gets to the point of there was probably somebody involved where they're going, oh, no, the 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 medicine um, slipped up. Something didn't go right with with my with my pills. Something didn't go right with my organization of the order I was supposed to take it in. Somebody messed up my the timing. And that's where I think, oh, it could have been anybody of like. They're on this schedule. They're on this schedule of what to take, when to take. There's somebody in charge of giving them access to all this stuff. And that's what's the most infuriating part. And it's also the part where it's like, this is so in the weeds, in the Mm -hmm. DNA of that Mm -hmm. system. And truly, the only way for it to stop is to stop it from its source. Yeah. I honestly think an outright ban is the only appropriate punishment. And I'm sorry, but for anyone who's like, but that's unfair to the athletes. No, you know what's unfair to the athletes? Being taken advantage of, having their physical bodies taken advantage of for the success of this system and this program. That is unfair. And so until you take away the whole reason why they're actually doing this, They're going to keep on doing it. And I think from then on out, there's a zero tolerance policy. And if a single athlete tests positive, once they're allowed back in, they're banned for the next Olympics because there's like flagrant disregard for the rules that everybody else has to play for. And they have proven that time and time again because they are systemically doping and they have continued to do it even after they got caught. So it's... It's not, oh, we should stop doing this. It's, oh, we just have to work smarter. Right. And, you know, it's just it's so frustrating as an athlete because when you go to a competition, you want to do your best. And obviously you want to go and and one day you want to be the best. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of athletes, I'd say 99.9% of athletes who when you are at the world level, there's this come to Jesus moment you're going to have when you're at a competition and you're going to look at yourself in a warm up mirror mirror, and you're going to go, well, I'm not Yuzuru Hanyu. I'm not Nathan Chen, but I'm going to do my best. And you're going to go, I'm going to just do my best, even though that my dream was like, I wish I could win. But like, you can look at these guys and and they're just, they're athletes that are just going to be better than you. And you know what? It, it, there's a moment where, yeah, it's, it can suck, but then there's another moment where it's so beautiful and it's so amazing because you can see 
the ways that people have pushed themselves and they've bettered your sport and and it's what makes it so beautiful to me is like that's what sport is all about that like you can see the the creative uh, tactics of people what they do to like move the sport forward how do they change the sport how do they how do they reinvent um the way that they've seen skating themselves and you know for an athlete that's not going to win a title or or win a medal at these competitions you know it's in the name of sport that I know everybody in that event is going to do their best and they've done everything they can to be their best and then however the results come that's just that's what the results are and it's really frustrating as an athlete to know that not everybody in that event might be living by that same motto that yeah I want to be the best I want to be my best, but I'm going to do everything I can to do it correctly. And I think that's why at the end of the day, so many athletes have respect for each other. Even more so, I think, like when there's distance from their own competitive journey where you go, listen, I know what I went through was insane. And I know you know exactly what I went through, the the pressures, the ups, the downs. I know that I see you eye to eye. And I think that's why, like, as I get older, I have so much more respect for my the the people that I watched on TV when I was a a young mm-hmm. athlete. And I have so much respect for, um, even you, Ashley. No, oh, wow. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like I I see it through a different lens of like you're not in it, and you realize like all that it takes, and it's amazing, and it's a huge accomplishment, and it just feels unfair that there could be people who don't live by the that 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 same moral guidance of the whole point of sport is to be your best and and better yourself every time you have the opportunity and, and the whole point of it is not to see what kind of science can prevail that's not what sport is about it's frustrating it's heartbreaking it's infuriating and obviously well let's get into why we're even talking about this today. So going back to the IOC's decision to let the Russian athletes back in and compete. Surprise, surprise, it's back under a nice neutral flag. So. And it's worked out so well before. Right. So I don't know. Ban the neutral athletes. <laughs> They're <laughs> cheating. <laughs> I I just, I'm really interested the way that they kind of phrased this was really, really vague. Right. I think intentionally so. Um, and I just think it's going to set them up for failure. One thing that really stood out to me was the point that they made that no Russian athlete could compete who was actively supporting the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And that include, includes social media. And so you have to really like hone in on this word actively because... I'm yeah, curious what does about that the athlete. Mean? Right. When when does that start? Is it while they're in competition? Is it the day that this release was put out? Is it the day that the war in Ukraine started? Because what was that? Like five days after the end of the figure skating event in Beijing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look at it that way, I just think any social media support for the war in Ukraine should absolutely be taken for what it is. If you have said that you support this war, you support this war. You're not going to have some come to Jesus moment and stop supporting the war. Or maybe you do because also, it'll you help you get into competition. If you haven't actively said anything against the war, 
Who's to say you aren't actively supporting it? Right. You don't always have to make it social media official. You don't have to be Instagram official with the war in Ukraine to actively support it potentially. Well, and they didn't even define it. I'll just say they didn't even define what active support means when they said this. And social media isn't anywhere in it. So like... It isn't in it? No. They didn't explicitly say anything right? as to how you would measure what active support is. But I agree. So what does that mean? You don't have to post on social media to be actively supporting something. And that feels like the only way to trace it. Ashley, do you think that there's any place for Russian athletes who um, they're not actively supporting the war, whatever the hell that means um and and they, they're willing to go the extra mile to go I- i'm not doping i'm competing clean is do you think that there should be like a, a pathway for an athlete like that and and if you do what do you think that pathway looks like because I, I believe that there there could be a pathway i believe that if there's an athlete that is willing to do everything they can i think that they should be subject themselves to uh like constant doping tests and I don't think that they should be allowed to compete in or not compete I don't think they should be allowed to train in Russia I I think think the only way you have to take the athletes out of this system they would have to be willing to have no connections with this system they because Russian figure skating is government funded they would have to be self-funded they would not be training in Russia they would not be training with a coach that is funded or has any connection to Russia they would be subject to additional WADA doping tests not Russian not Rusada doping tests Mm -hmm. and I think At that point, then maybe they could be considered a truly neutral athlete. But if you have any connection to Russia, whether it be financially, physically, or otherwise, no, you're not a neutral athlete. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that there is this neutrality at at all. Um, It's still a very like. Not, it's a, I, I mean, up until the Olympics in Beijing, the, the, you know, they were at like these Olympic councils fighting to to change the anthem that would be played if there was a Russian athlete under this um, neutral flag. And, you know, they changed it to a Tchaikovsky song, which doesn't sound like a punishment. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and it was beautiful. Tchaikovsky is a great guy. <laughs> like I ten knew out of ten, Good guy. But I mean, that's this is the thing. You, they shouldn't be involved in decisions. Nope. They've lost that privilege. They've lost. They've a lost. Voice. That... They should lose their voice and their say in what is happening here. And that's what I feel like we're seeing. And that's why it's super frustrating. Is anything that comes out from the ISU, the IOC, I just look at that and I'm like, the Russian Federation has had conversations with you about this. They have been part of this conversation, and it's so obvious to me. It was not a neutral decision to have neutral athletes. That is them giving, like, throwing the dog a bone. Like, right? They don't even deserve scraps. They deserve nothing. Yeah, they they deserve to be isolated to to reevaluate how will they move forward in the world. How will they move forward in the world of sports? Mm-hmm. It's um. Yeah, it's 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 a really frustrating thing. And I think that a lot of times when we see athletes who are like, I don't think the Russians should come back again. This is not about any specific athlete. It's about like we should not let 
this like monster federation, this monster governing body who doesn't believe in the rules, that doesn't believe in the spirit of sport. We shouldn't let them back because they 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 ruined the whole thing for everybody. Because right. there's nothing enjoyable as a competitor or as a viewer to know that whatever you're watching isn't real. Isn't, isn't real. And, you know, it makes me think of my conversation with Sarah in Beijing of, like, what I was watching was unbelievable. And I should have listened to myself because I shouldn't have believed it. And that's what makes me so frustrated is that, like, I want to believe in that magic. I want to believe that what I'm watching is just this work that's been done fairly, this work that's been done mindfully is 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 real. And it frustrates me and it makes me feel, God, you just didn't believe that your really talented athletes could do this on their own. And now you've ruined it for all of us. They've ruined right. it to the point of there's a there's a big group of athletes who are still waiting for a medal at an this Olympic Games. This makes me games. so mad. This makes me so mad. I wish that they had gone through with the medal ceremony, but everyone wanted to save face here. I wish that they had gone through with that medal ceremony because you know what? For me, standing on that Olympic podium was one of the highlights of my entire life. Looking out at the Olympic flame, standing on the podium, receiving my medal at the Olympics, one of the best moments of my life. We have athletes who are potentially silver, maybe even gold, depending on where it goes, who will never get that Olympic moment. They had that moment, that memory taken from them, all because this team cheated and everyone wanted to save face. No one wanted to have to like go back and do it over again. But for me, it's like, give the athletes the moment, go upgrade their medals later on. Or don't upgrade their medals later on. Whatever happens, happens. But like, if you have to go strip every single one of those Russian athletes of their medals, that's on you because you let them compete. Period. Hard stop. I just, yeah. this is where it's like, it's about everyone. It affects everyone. And we are making all of these sacrifices for a small group of people that affect a much larger group of people. And it's just not worth it. Well, it's just I think it's for the greater good of all sport that like we we take a good hard look at this moment um, and we go, how are we going to make sure that we keep these young athletes healthy? How are we going to make sure that we keep them safe? How are we going to make sure that we that this is accessible to everybody around the world, that the whole reason like we got involved in sport and fell in love with it? How do we keep that kind of magic alive? And I know yeah. that I, I've been using the word magic for the past few minutes, but like there's something really magical about seeing somebody push themselves to a limit. And it just breaks that spell knowing that, you know, they didn't. That, right, it's <laughs> that not real. Right. It's not, it's not real. It's cheap tricks. You know, it's it's a lot to think about. I think we've kind of expressed our own opinions. We've kind of go gone over the timeline of of where we are. So it's a it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to process. But I think for right now, let's let's button it up. Let's end this run through. This is a really long run through. This is an arduous trialing. It's arduous. Just it's a difficult run through. We're gonna wrap it up. Um, I just think at the end of the day. Adam, I, I just feel like both of us are on the side of the health and well-being of the athletes. We just want to see athletes 
cared for, uh, taken care of appropriately, and also for every single athlete to be competing under the exact same set of rules and for everyone to be held accountable in making that happen. It's the accountability and the the whole point of sport. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The whole point of it is to better yourself every single day, is to compete clean. That's just in the name of sport, that you compete clean, that you know it's a level and even playing field. And that's so important to us as a viewer. It's so important even more so to us as an athlete. And that's, you know, that's the, the main frustration. Um, it's, it's the main frustration so many of the athletes have. It's the, it's the main frustration I have. It's the main frustration I have in Beijing as a coach um, is that I, I want the event to be fair. And I want, I want accountability taken. I, I want yeah. a, a real punishment. I want yeah. real consequences. I just want to stop being like, we're still talking about this. I do. Not, I don't find joy talking about this. It does not bring me any kind of pleasure to have to talk about why athletes shouldn't be competing. If you are talented, you should be able to show that to the world, but you should be showing it to the world under the same set of circumstances as everybody else. Yeah. So I totally. I totally agree. I would be. I would rather be talking about fiercer fluts, but. That's but this... that just wouldn't be sensitive or nope. appropriate this week. And we're really trying to show that we are both of those things. Sensitive and appropriate. <laughs> we're both. <laughs> Can I ask you guys something? What do you yes. think is going to happen? I know what you want to happen. Oh, I think exactly this. I don't think anything's going to happen. I think that they are going to come in with a new three-letter acronym for Russian athletes at the next Olympics. And that's it. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, that exactly what Ashley said is what's going to happen and we're going to roll our eyes. But I, there's a part of me that feels like this is a moment of reckoning where so many athletes and people around the world have just finally had it that mm-hmm. I believe that Ashley can be right. I hope that she's wrong. I hope that there there is this moment where we look back and we're like, this is when something was finally done. Um, but I don't know. I just think that I just think that that it's only happening because of the war. And as soon as the war ends there, it's nobody's going to do anything. No, I, I, it took a war to actually take any kind of stance on Russian athletes that actually did look like some form of a punishment. And even with the war still going on, we are now actively seeking out ways to allow Russian athletes in. So that's why I, I lean towards nothing happening because one year into this war, they're still looking for ways to make it fair for the Russian athletes. And I couldn't even imagine how a Ukrainian athlete must be feeling right now looking at this and everything Mm -hmm. that their families, their countries, themselves personally are going through. And we are moving heaven and earth to allow Russian athletes in. I just I can't imagine how that feels. And and right now, you know, like as we said earlier in this podcast, in this episode, that like I think in the totem pole of who's responsible, the athletes aren't at the top. And no. we could even see it at the World Championships last week. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago, but yes, it was last week. <laughs> um, that there are Russian officials and Russian coaches there who are, I mean, in my mind, 
even more responsible for where we are right now. They're most responsible. They're the most responsible, more so than the athletes who are the ones paying the price. So what is what even is this Russian ban no. currently? Seeing a Terry Tuberidze at the boards in the kiss and cry at the World Championships when the Russian athletes are banned because of an active ongoing war. I really I understand that she was obviously credentialed through another country, but she's a Russian citizen. I, I how for me, the I just found that really disrespectful of the ISU to not fully carry out that ban and to allow her. There, there are other Russian citizens who were coaches and other right. Russian officials who like were, were representing other countries. But the the, the real problem with Eteri is that she's at the center. She's of, directly connected of, to this. Yeah, she's right at the center. She's the one where we think of this, the, the doping allegations. We go right to her. We go right to her. We go right to her camp and we go... We are having these conversations because of you and you are here. You don't want to play fair. You want to be famous and you want to do all this and you want to be the best coach in the world, but you don't want to do it the right way. And here you are marching your sorry curly hair into a competition, trying to do a little apology tour when it's your athletes who are now paying the price because of your actions. That's what's not fair. That's not fair. I was gobsmacked. The only time I've ever found that word, word appropriate to use in real life to see her in the kiss and cry. It's like, truly yeah. the only time where I've been like, oh, yeah, I know what gobsmacked means because yeah, I don't gobsmacked. even know what it means. But that's what I was. Ashley, let's end this or we could, we'll be here for years. We'll be here forever. We'll be here forever. But guess what? We will be back next week. We will be doing a world team trophy preview. We're going to set up the event, things to watch out for tell you exactly what this is maybe take a little walk down memory lane and yeah, um, it'll it'll be a lot more fun than this one but this <laughs> we had to have this conversation it, we had to have this conversation because you know skating we love all parts of it the camp and the the fun run-throughs and all of these things but also you need to talk about this side because there's a lot going on but that being said, we will be back next week with our breakdown. You can subscribe and listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also love hearing from you. Reach out on social media with topics you think we should cover. You can find me at AshWagner2010 at Instagram, as well as Twitter. DM us. We try to send out questionnaires and things. Just let us know what you want to hear about. And Adam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Rippon. I think my, I'm not really on Twitter, so my Twitter's a, a little bit dead. So if you really <laughs> want to reach out to me, reach out to me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. On Instagram, I'm at Adam Rip. And um, until then, Ashley, like our coach Raphael always told us before every competition, come, come on, on buddy. buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.